Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Letter back from a preacher, and he didn't mention his name, but uh, in this letter, he was uh, this uh, man of God was just telling uh, Brother Ralston and, and encouraging him, and was just talking to him about the different things in the ministry, and and one of those things. Uh, uh, Brother Ralston said that this preacher mentioned to him and he said, you know, about his wife. And he said, you know, don't don't ever be ashamed to uh, uh, love on your wife. Don't be, ever be ashamed to um, uh, take her out and, and flirt with her. And he, he mentioned that uh, one of those things he said, don't ever be ashamed to flirt with your wife from the pulpit. So with that being said, if you see me looking over at Nellie every now and then and give her a wink or two, I'm just doing what Brother Ralston Said to do, but all right, we'll move along. <laughs> but James has already mentioned uh, uh, Brother Ralston, Grant Ralston, and Pastor uh, there in Texas, and just keep them in your prayers that, like, like you said, that they'll come back, refresh, uh, and uh, get what the Lord has for them. All right, so without further ado, let's just move on into the word tonight. Uh, we're going to look at one scripture tonight. Uh, we'll take from uh, as our text here, and it's found in Galatians uh, chapter 6 and verse 9. Galatians 6 and verse 9. And if you don't mind standing for the reading of the word, it won't be long. If you're there, say amen. Man, childproof this cap here. All right, Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Can we read that again in concert? And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You may be seated. So I'm going to use Galatians Chapter 6 and the verse 9 is just basically as a launching point. Here we find Paul's writing to the church of Galatia, laying out the principles of sowing and reaping in the previous verses. And uh, the importance, and he wants to bring out the importance of doing good to others, especially to those in the family of God. Uh, we all know that the child of God is called to do good. Amen. And one commentator mentions this. He says that uh, uh, he defines doing good as anything that builds up. It furthers the mission, expands the kingdom, and blesses the church. And we all can be a part of that, can we not? I believe that. And, uh, and I started thinking of some things that we can do to be a blessing just to others, of those in our, in our church and our family. And uh, some of these things are just simple things, you know, making a meal for someone when they're sick. Um, when we've had children, we've had people come to our home and, and they brought us meals and, and that was such a blessing when, when we've uh, got to experience that. Uh, we could send flowers uh, or a card to somebody when we know someone is kind of down and out and, and we could be an encouragement by sending maybe just a card of, of just, uh, just a, to uplift their spirits in a, in a time of, of their need. Uh, we can also a, a volunteer to watch someone's kids, to let, let the parents go out, to have a, a night out. You know, that, those, you know, I've got 
older girls that's done that for us, but there's other people that don't have that luxury and don't have that as an available source for them um, just to go out for the evening and enjoy themselves. Those are just some, a couple of things that I thought of today that we could do to be a blessing to our church. And, uh, you know, I think about different individuals in our church, and I've already mentioned the blessing that Broadway has already always been, and I, and I thought about Brother Greg when he's spent hours and hours, amen, I, I, on that lawnmower out at camp and, and, and never got any kind of financial uh, due for that, but he's done it because he loves, loves the Lord. Brother Don Farley has, has been part of the camp committee for years, and, 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 and without hesitation, and, and without anything in return, he's gone out there and, and he's and he's worked and he's sweated and he's but he's doing it for the kingdom of God. And I'm thankful that Sister Sue has made her blankets and things like that to be a blessing. Um, just other brother Lucente and Sister Lucente working on the bus, different ones. And I don't I don't mean to just you know uh, leave anybody out, but these are just some of the people that I've thought of that has been such a blessing. And most of us have done things, and all of us have taken part of of this church because if not, this church wouldn't even be here. It would no longer exist. There's been churches, and you know this, that the doors have been closed because there's not been people that's even wanted to put forth efforts and has not even wanted to work for the kingdom. And and sadly to say those. Those churches are no longer there, but I'm thank, I thank God that Broadway, amen, has stood the test of time. And, and it's only because of God's people and, and those things that God has put in the hearts of his people, amen, to work for him. Aren't you glad that we have this church and we have the people in this church, that, amen, that will work for him? I'm so thankful for our church tonight. And uh, I was thinking of, uh, you know, working for the Lord, amen, can bring on a weariness. You know, it's not always easy. Brother Don, is it always easy to come from work, uh, amen, and, and go out there and do those things? No, it's not. But it's, it's the love of God, and it's the love, it's the love that we have for our church, and it's the love that we have for the people of God's church. Weariness, and working for the Lord can bring a weariness. And, and weariness can enter in through many avenues. It can take on many forms. <coughs> Excuse me. Weariness affects our lives in different ways. It affects each one of us differently. One of the ways weariness can affect us is what brings us to our first point tonight, weariness in our minds. And in, in the book of Luke, in, uh, chapter 10 and verse 40, we find the story of Martha. And the Bible says that Mar Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and speaking to, about Jesus. And said, Lord, does not thou, does not thou, Care that my sister hath left me to serve alone. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Uh, cumbered about, as used in the King James Version, means distracted, hindered, hampered, overloaded, or overburdened. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed her, him into her home. We can learn a lesson from Martha tonight. She became weary and well-doing. She became distracted, hindered, hampered, or bogged down. She took on too much. She was experiencing overload. The burden of doing all the cooking, cleaning, and running the home became, became overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed because of all those things she was doing. 
If we are not careful while working for the Lord, we can allow ourselves to become distracted and overwhelmed. Those tasks that it can become obstacles. Instead of the joys that we used to once get from those things, they become mountains. They become obstacles to us. The size of mountains, I said, will hinder us from the presence of the Lord. Those things we love to do as far as our work for the Lord can cause spiritual overload. And the joy we once received from doing these things will be stolen from us. Sometimes it's not so much our bodies become weary while working for the Lord, but it's our minds. Martha suffered from tunnel vision. She was so focused on the one goal of her household chores and of serving others that the greatest servant of all, amen, was in the very home that she was in. We become so focused on the task at hand that we become weary and overwhelmed and anxiety kicks in. That's when it not only affects our minds, but it also affects our bodies as well. And I looked at this article about anxiety and fatigue or uh, weariness and fatigue. Anxiety is a feeling of fear or dread or apprehension. It can be brought on by a stressful event or by the way you think about an event. Sometimes people feel anxious when, we, when there's nothing seems to be an external trigger at all. When you perceive a threat, your hypo, hypothem, <laughs> hypothalamus uh, uh, kicks in. Uh, it's, the hypothalamus is responsible for the regulation of certain metabolic processes and other activities of the autonomic nervous system. It synthesizes and secretes certain neurohormones called releasing hormones or hypothalamic hormones. And in these, in turn, stimulate, inhibit the secretion of hormones from the pituitary gland. Uh, This is just one of those things that's in our body. It's It's just a tiny little... Uh, almond-sized gland that's in the back of your mind that it gets triggered when you get worried and when you get stressed out and when weariness, amen, begins to kick in. And then you might feel all of these physical symptoms of shaking, quickened heart rate, chest pain, fast or shallow breathing, a dry mouth, muscle tension, dizziness, nausea, diarrhea. Given the surge of hormones and the intensity of these symptoms, it isn't hard to imagine why you'd feel tired after a bout of anxiety. You might feel relieved, drained, or even exhausted. But most of the time, a good night's sleep is enough to restore your energy level. Sometimes, however, the tired feeling doesn't go away as quickly as you would like. You get in this mindset that I've got to get this done. I've got to get that done. A lot of times you're not able to get everything done. We know that. And the feeling of failure begins to hit us. And then weariness not only brings on anxiety, it can also bring on a depression because of this. And fatigue and weariness is a common symptom of depression. People with depression are more likely to experience fatigue. And chronic fatigue can cause the risk of depression. This bi-directional relationship creates a cycle that can be very hard to break. Potential causes of Depression, fatigue includes sleep problems. Your diet suffers from it. Stress is induced because of it. And then when our sleep is essential for regenerating the body and replenishing energy, lack of sleep alone may not cause depression, but it does increase the risk, and it can make the symptoms worse. Even if a person with depression is getting enough sleep, they may not wake up feeling refreshed. People with depression often have a slower quality of, lower quality of sleep than those without this condition. I'm going to get through this in a minute. This is just building up here. <laughs> Stress can affect the levels of serotonin and dopamine. These are neurotransmitters in the brain that play an essential part in regulating mood and energy. 
Research trusted indicates that stressful life events can signify significantly increase a person's risk of developing, developing major depressive disorder. These stressful life events can include the end of a relationship or close friendship, the death of a loved one, significant financial loss, a job change, a health-related event such as cancer diagnosis. The same research suggests that stress can also cause inflammation in the body, which can lead to hyperinsomnia and fatigue. It may also lead to a person withdrawing from social activities and having difficulty thinking clearly. Weariness can cause depression and stress. Martha was stressed out. She had too many pans in the fire. That's one of those things that my dad used to always say about my sister, Terry, when she would be in, involved in a lot of different things. He said, Terry, you know, you, you've just got too many pans in the fire. But she quite possibly was uh, suffering from what we call burnout. There are times that the dishes may not get done, moms. Dinner may just have to be ham sandwiches and potato chips that night. It may just have to be that the laundry gets put away tomorrow. That's okay. That's all right. Those things can wait. We need to step back, put some things on pause, and be like Mary and enjoy the presence of the Lord. Know this, that he's going to reward your diligence and faithfulness. I want to shift gears here and talk about other areas that we can experience weariness in. And that leads us to the second point, a weariness in our body. We're talking about a word for the weary tonight. And I thought about the woman with the issue of blood, and that how she had a sickness, a disease, for 12 years. And the Bible tells us that she had spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Mark's account of this story records that she suffered many things by many physicians. And after spending all that she had, the Bible tells us that, she, that her situation never got any better, but in fact, it grew worse. What causes weariness in our bodies? Like I said, a lengthy illness is one of them. Twelve years, she exhausted her life savings upon physicians. Sickness in and of itself can cause a weariness to set in. Imagine having that illness or an illness of any sort for 12 years. Going town to town, possibly, this woman, seeking, from, seeking a cure from a 12-year-long disease. After seeing one doctor, paying whatever the bill was, leaving that visit, and nothing's changed. Nothing's, in, nothing's improved. So you take the advice of someone else. Hey, why don't you go see this doctor? Why don't you go see this specialist? So she said, okay. So she scheduled her visit. Because this doctor specialized in her disease. She gets up early for her appointment. The excitement is running through her mind and body. She arrives for her appointment. Checks in with the receptionist. And she sits down in the waiting room for a few moments. All the while, the level of excitement has only risen. The nurse calls her back. Shows her to her room that the doctor would soon come in and examine her. And get to the bottom of this particular illness. The level of anticipation and excitement is still rising within her. Finally, with a soft knock on the door, the doctor comes in. And after a few minutes of looking over her medical charts, the doctor then proceeds to give her a full physical examination. The doctor looks in her eyes and has to tell her that there's nothing that can be done to cure her ailment. After hearing the news, she writes out a check for the bill. 
She leaves the office. She pulls out her phone, and she checks her mobile banking app, only to find that was the rest of her money. She can't call Uber. She can't call a taxi. She begins to uh, walk back home. She starts her journey home. She begins to weep and sob. She doesn't know how to go, where to go from here. She has no money left. She's worse off now than she was 12 years ago. She doesn't know what her next step will be. She makes her way back into town. It seems to her that she has reached a dead end in her life. Little did she know that her weariness was about to meet the wonderful. Amen. Her disease is about to meet the divine. Her sickness is about to meet the Savior. Amen. Her handicap is about to meet the healer. Her depression is about to meet the deliverer. And her weakness is about to meet the warrior. Her anxiety is about to meet the Alpha and Omega. Her fear is about to meet the one who is faithful. Amen. The Bible tells us she comes upon a crowd. She wants to know, hey, what's going on here? She overhears a man. And this is not in the Bible. This is just my thinking, you know, just writing in here. But she overhears a man telling a child that Jesus is passing by in their town today. He tells them that he has the power to open the blinded eyes. He's even raised the dead. And he's been able to make the deaf hear again. She looks ahead of her. She barely, may, she barely gets a glimpse of Jesus. She knows that this moment may never come again. Faith has begun to rise in her heart. Amen. She needs to make her move. She pushes through the crowd. She is just a few feet from Jesus. In a moment, her perseverance is going to meet the power of God. With all the strength and effects, or with all of her strength, she is able to grab a hold of his hymn. The Bible tells us that she immediately was healed. Don't stop pushing through the crowd. She faced a lot of obstacles and hindrances. She never gave up. Although she was weak and weary, she pushed on through the crowd, and she touches the Savior. The last area that we can experience a weariness in, and it's our third point tonight, is a weariness in our walk. Weariness is brought on by the battles we are engaged in. Battle weary is a term that originates from soldiers who have been on the battlefield too long and are tired of being there. Battle fatigue or combat fatigue in a soldier is characterized by depression, anxiety, and loss of motivation. It's caused by stress of active warfare. We've got to guard against combat fatigue. In Exodus 17 and 12, Moses, it talks about Moses' hands were heavy or weary, and they took stone, and they put it under him, and he sat there on an errand, and her stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Know that you're not the only one to experience combat fatigue you are not alone god promises to hold us in our battle the lord shall fight for you the exodus 14 14 says and you shall hold your peace sometimes all we need is just to be reminded that god is fighting for us aren't you glad that god is fighting for us aren't you glad to know that you're not alone in this battle a few years ago about four years ago that uh my wife and, uh, and our family actually got to go to Canada on a missions trip. And uh, little did anybody know 
but my wife and myself, uh, we were going through one of the uh, strongest battles that we had faced up until that point of our lives. And uh, it, it wasn't easy. Um, it was one of those things that it was, I mean, it was on my mind when I went to bed at night. The last thing on my mind when I went to bed, it actually was the first thing that I thought of uh, when I would wake up. And uh, for about four months, this battle raged against us in our home. I mean, we tried to shield the, the kids from it as much as we could. They, they, but they, you know, our kids aren't dumb. Most kids aren't dumb. They knew that there was something wrong with me. They knew that something wasn't just quite right. But uh, like I said, we went to Canada, not expecting very much, praying and hoping that the battle was going to come to an end soon. We don't get to make that decision. Wish we could at times, but it just not, it's not the way it works. But uh, Danelle was praying one night in the altar, and I believe it was a Wednesday or Thursday night. I can't remember exactly. And uh, she said that there was a girl that came up behind her. I mean, she began to put her, lay her hands on her and begin to pray. And she uttered the word. She goes, your family is under attack and going through a battle. But God has sent me to tell you that he is fighting for you. I mean, aren't you glad that when those times come, and you think you're all alone in the battle. Amen. And in the weariness of the battle begins to set in. The combat fatigue begins to just become a reality. More than just going and taking one step forward. And God sends a person that don't even know who it was. My wife says she doesn't even know who it was. But, but it took us miles from here to have somebody just remind us, hey, God sees your battle. God knows where you're at. Not only do I know where you're at, amen, I'm fighting for you. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. Amen, aren't you glad that when we're in those battles and those times, when we seem to be all alone, but we know that God has never left us. He's never forsaken us. Second Chronicles 32, 7 and 8 says, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid, nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. Amen. Zechariah 10, 5 says, And they shall be as mighty men, which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in battle, and they shall fight. Because the Lord is with them, and the riders and horses shall be confounded. In Isaiah 41, 10, it says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Joshua 1.9 says, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. <coughs> Isaiah 54.17 says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. <coughs> and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Thankful for God's word tonight. <coughs> I'm thankful for the promises in his word. How he reminds us. How we can stand upon his word in the most difficult of times. 
Weariness is brought on by pain and injury. I remember in 1992, I was watching the Summer Olympics that year. And I watched this runner, <clears throat> excuse me, pull up lame. And I'm like, what in the world's going on here? But let me just tell you a little bit of the story. Derek Redmond was born on September the 3rd of 1965 in Bletchley, United Kingdom. He liked sports since he was a child, especially the athletics, whatever that meant. That's what the article said. In the 1980s, Derek was already part of the best athletes in the world. In 1985, he managed to run 400 meters in 44.82 seconds. Setting it set a new national record at that time. And then two years later, Derek ran 400 meters in 44.5 seconds, which he improved his previous record on. He was part of the national relay team of Great Britain, with which he had several wins, including two gold medals and one silver. But it was not easy. In this process, Derek suffered an injury and had to be operated on several times. Thanks to his pers pers uh, persistence, he recovered. After such a successful career, Derek had a great dream to be an individual runner. Derek participated in the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. He stood out as one of the best and managed to move to the semifinal. Derek had never felt so happy. Derek started the race by standing out in, starting out in the first place. But when he reached 250 meters into the race, he suffered a hamstring injury. Derek decided to continue until he reached the goal with the help of his father. Since then, Derek is one of the most admired athletes, but his professional career ended because of that injury. Derek currently plays basketball for England, and he also works as a motivational speaker sharing his story. That was one person's view in, in, uh, of the Derek Redmond story, but I also found uh, part of his biography, and I just want to just kind of just read some of the things that he had written himself and, and told himself in, in his biography. And it says that when I took my place on the starting blocks, I felt good. For once, I had no injuries. Despite eight operations in four years, I had won the first two rounds without breaking a sweat. That's pretty good. And including posting the fastest time in the uh, first round heats, I was confident. And when the gun went off, I got off to a good start. I got into my stride, running around the first turn, and I was feeling comfortable. Then I heard a popping sound. I kept on running for another two or three strides, and I felt the pain. I thought I had been shot, but then I recognized the agony. I pulled my hamstring before, and the pain is excruciating, like someone shoving a hot knife into the back of your knee and twisting it. I grabbed the back of my leg, and I hit the deck. I couldn't believe this was happening after all the training I'd put in. I looked around to see where the rest of the field were, and they had only 100 meters to go. I remember thinking, if I could get up, I could still catch them and qualify. The pain was intense. I hobbled around 50 meters until I was at the 200-meter mark, and then I realized it was all over. I looked around, and I saw that everyone else had crossed the finish line. But I don't like to give up at anything, not even an argument. <laughs> I didn't write this, as my wife would tell you 
Well, I should have scratched that one out. <laughs> well, I decided I was going to finish that race if it was the last race I have ever did. All these doctors and officials were coming onto the track trying to get me to stop, but I was having none of it. Then with about 100 meters to go, I became aware of someone else on the track. I didn't realize that it was my dad, Jim, at first. He said, Derek, it's me. You don't need to do this. I just said, Dad, I want to finish. Get me back in the semifinal. He said, okay. We started this thing together, and now we'll finish it together. He managed to get me to stop trying to run and just walk. And he kept repeating, you're a champion. You've got nothing to prove. I mean, have we been there? <laughs> have we suffered setbacks, injuries, and pain? And we know that the Lord has been by us the entire time saying, get up. You're going to make it. You're a champion. No matter what the devil has told you, you're going to make it one day. I mean, your weariness, it may be today. I mean, you may be fatigued today. You might be injured today. But it's not always going to be that way. You're going to make it all the way home. I mean, aren't you glad for that tonight? You've got nothing to prove, his dad said. Today, uh, Derek, written, uh, Derek said, today I don't feel anger, just frustration. The, the video footage of that, uh, that race that day has been used in advertisements by Visa and, and, and Nike and, and the International Olympic Committee. He says, I don't go out of my way to watch it, but, it's, it, but it isn't painful anymore. Isn't that how things work? You have to face those hard times. You get through them. You get to the other side. You never forget it. But those things are not as painful as they once were. We've seen God move and we've seen God work. I mean, I'm talking about a word for the weary tonight. Amen. We hobbled over the finish line with our arms around each other. Just me and my dad. <laughs> I mean, if you've got a son, if you're a father, you know, that kind of just hits a little more closer to home, you know. He says that uh, with our arms around each one, each other, just me and my dad, the man I'm really close to, who supported my athletic career since I was seven years old. I've since been told there was a standing ovation by the 65,000 uh, crowd that was there that day, but nothing registered to me at the time. I was in tears, and I went off to the medical room to be looked at, and then I took the bus back to the Olympic Village. My dream was over. In Seoul, Korea, four years earlier, I didn't even get to, to the start line because of an Achilles injury that, that had designated me as a did not start next to my name. I didn't want him to write it, he said. When I saw my doctor, he told, told me that I would never represent my country again. I felt like there had been a death. I never raced again, and I was angry, angry for two years. One day I just thought there are worse things than pulling a muscle in a race, and I just decided to get on with my life. If I hadn't pulled a hamstring that day, I could have been an Olympic medalist. But I love the life that I have now. I may not have been a motivational speaker or competed for my country at basketball if I had not been injured.
You're all going to suffer setbacks. We're going to experience pain and suffering. We're going to get knocked down at times. We have to get back up, Sister Jones. We have to get back up. Toby Mac wrote a song a few years ago, and it says, get back up. Now, don't fall out with me if you're not a Toby Mac fan. I'm not saying I'm the biggest fan of Toby Mac myself. But there has been some things that he has written that has actually had some real good content, too. You know, he might be a little wild for most people, and that's okay. It's all right. But he wrote a song called Get Back Up. The chorus of the song says, we lose our way, and we get back up again. So get up, get up. You're going to shine again. It's never too late to get back up again. You may be knocked down, but not out forever. If you will, can stand this evening. Some of you might be like Martha tonight, and the daily grind of life has become wearisome and overwhelming. The Bible tells us that you're going to reap. If you faint not, if you don't give up, the end is coming. What about the woman with the physical illness that we talked about? She faced the same thing day after day. Nothing had gotten better. There's been no improvement. Have you been there? Where it seems like each day you wake up and nothing was changed from the previous day. It could be an illness or sickness. It could be just a trial whatever it may be. There seems to be no end in sight. There was, for her, at one point, there was no end for her. She had, she had exhausted every opportunity. Every avenue that she had available to her was taken away at the end until Jesus passed by that day. Keep believing. Keep moving. Keep pushing through the crowds of fear and doubt. It's going to be worth it when you touch the master. Are you like Moses? in a battle that you're engaged in has worn you down. Don't give up and don't give in because there's help on the way. A word for the weary. We've all been there. We've all had our hard times and difficult situations. But know that God is going to see you through every step of the way. He's posted. I mean, if we could just come find a place to pray tonight, just as a general altar call, altar call tonight. Wherever you find yourself in, any of those situations or none at all. Maybe everything right now is, is 100% A-OK, but know this. One day, you're going to be in one of these categories.